Good evening. We're continuing the series, Path to the Just, uh, to refresh our memory. Last uh, Monday, we ended where uh, we spoke about we spoke about nekiyut, uh, how a person keep himself clean, his heart clean, his hands is clean. And uh, we spoke about the restriction not to remind someone who made tshuva, someone who made repentance, not to remind him how bad he used to be. And not to embarrass the person in public, someone who embarrassed the person in public, lose his share to the world to come. We spoke about... Uh, tricking people, ona'a, misleading people, deceiving them. We spoke about the obligation of improving every person around you. If you see that he's going in the wrong direction, to do it in a nice, pleasant way without embarrassing him one-on-one. -on -one. We spoke about do not put a trap in front of a blind man, not necessarily blind, anyone who has a weakness in anything, don't take advantage on his weakness and mislead him. Uh, we spoke, why? Because after all, it's all connected to one mitzvah that a person has to fear God. If the person, he got away with tricking him, yeah, but after all, you're gonna have ended up have to report it to your creator and pay the price, and a very heavy price, it doesn't pay. What are you gaining? It's all an illusion. And the Torah says, Someone who put a trap in front of a blind man, which means a person that is weak in a subject, in a, in a specific thing, misleading him, tricking him, deceiving him. God is calling you Arur. Arur, it's a general curse in the Torah. Nobody wants to be cursed, and definitely not by God. If a rabbi cares a person today, sometimes he doesn't sleep a month. He calls, he comes, says, I'm sorry, forgive me. Yeah, depends who the person is. That's if he has irat shamayim. If, he, if, he's a, if he's a person who keeps religion, fine. So he cares the, about the importance and the holiness of the rabbis. But someone who doesn't care about anything, you think he cares what the rabbis say? He can laugh in his face. He doesn't care. But someone who, who cares what the rabbi told, told him, or if the rabbi spoke harsh to him, or anything like that, it bothers him. Needless to say, if the Torah says Arur, God is calling you Arur, curse like, like he cares the snake after the sin of Adam and Eve. Who wants to be in this category? And what is it? Giving the wrong advice to a person. For instance, if you're a dentist, and a person comes to you and you, and, uh, you, you tell him you need this and this and that, and he doesn't really need it. You just want to get money out of him and out of his insurance and waste his time. Even if you don't really steal the money from him, because after all, the insurance pay, and he doesn't even know what you did, but just bothering him, coming, pretending you're doing something, that's a 100% crook. That's a thief, he's still from the insurance, he wastes the time of this person, so he's a double thief. He's a thief from the insurance, a thief from the patients. Not to talk about the severe punishments that they get when the insurance catch them. It's one of the things you don't want to play with. Once they suspect, one time, one complaint, I know somebody in Manhattan, a big doctor, 
one person called to complain that he charged him for something he doesn't remember he did, and now he's already three months every day under severe investigation. They come into his business in front of all his employees, like he's the head of the mafia. They, they much harass him. They don't, give, they don't give up. Fax this, do this, give us that. Don't do that, don't touch that, don't touch this account, freeze his assets, horrible thing. What's the point? Why being a crook when it doesn't really pay? One way or the other you lose, big time. In the end you lose. Once people get it good into their heads, the world will be a better place. But it's not only about stealing and deceiving. Giving the wrong advice. Giving the wrong advice. Uh, I give you an example, a mechanic. I gave an example with, the, what, what, what with my car, with the timing belt. They open the engine, oh, you know, if you don't do it, maybe, yes, maybe not, but they, they push into the bill things that it's really not urgent. It's not necessary. And today there is also a very, very common problem. Very common problem. And this is, in a way, it's, it's a warning. What is it? Today, Many people who take their tefillin to be checked, the people who check their tefillin tell them that it's not kosher because they want to sell them a new pair. You have to be very careful. Don't right away believe a person that tell you your tefillin or mezuzot is not kosher. Most of the time they are wrong. Most of the time they are wrong. I repeat what I said. For every 10 times, at least five, they are wrong go to second and third opinion of somebody that has high status of knowing that he's a, he's a person with good reputation and is 100% loyal and honest. Why? Because I had a case like this that I brought a very, very good feeling to someone. He lives in America and he went to yeshiva in Israel, to Yerushalayim. And over there he showed it to one of the rabbis who apparently sell tefillin. And he told him, wow, beautiful tefillin. You cannot say not beautiful. It's the top writing you can get. So of course, to tell him that it's not beautiful, everybody else will deny it. So he has to say it's beautiful. But then in the end, he said, oh, you know, there's not enough space. It's supposed to be nine millimeter space, and it's only eight and a half millimeter. So it makes it pasul. And of course, this is a kid. What does he know from it? So. Now he wants to sell him a tefillin for $1,000 and make a few hundred dollars profit on him. And of course, the tefillin is going to sell him. It's not going to be in the level of this tefillin. It's going to be less, but he doesn't know anything from his life. You understand? But that person, and I can say 100% that crook, because I'm not telling you his name. You don't know who I'm talking about. That crook never ever believed that in a day that he was trying to push him another pair of tefillin for no reason, I landed in Israel. The Ashgacha of Hashem. And the guy is calling me, and I was in Israel. I told him, I just landed in the airport. I'm on my way to your yeshiva in Yerushalayim to see it. I called up the sofer in Yerushalayim, meet me in this yeshiva in one hour. Quick. We got to the place, you should see the face of that crook when he saw we showed up. In me, I'm Baruch Hashem not impressive. You look at me, you don't know who I am. I can be a taxi driver, Baruch Hashem. But the other person that I call in, he looks like a Tana from the days of the Gemara. Very holy person. You see right away, and he's a very big Talmid Chacham, and he's a very big Sofer 
one of the best in Israel, and he knows all the halachot by heart. So right away, say, so where is the problem? The other person started to mumble. We started to tell him, why are you saying it? It's not true. There's plenty of room. It's 100% kosher. No problem, no doubt, nothing, not even nothing. Oh, I have to run, I have a shiur. Do you think he gave up? He still tried to force this American kid to buy that fill-in. When a person is a crook, he's a crook. It doesn't matter. He can be supposedly religious, 10 years coming to shul. If he did not decide to get rid of his bad traits and bad habit, he will stay a crook for the rest of his life. And it doesn't matter how nice is his beard. You understand? When the other rabbi told him, but I, don't, but I don't understand, even if you were right, even if you were right, there was not enough space, it's still not pasul. It's kosher. And look, look what the Mishnah Brura say. So he said to him, God forbid, there is no Mishnah Brura like this. And the, the rabbi was standing shocked. Well, he doesn't know alphabet, he doesn't know anything. How does he, is he selling to him? He doesn't know ABC. All he wanted is to sell the So he said, you know what? Let's go to the posek of Rav Ovadia Yosef, the Dayan in his Beidin. Top authority, <laughs> whatever he say. And he said to him, it's no problem. No problem. What's going on? Don't just believe what they say. I promise you, you'll be very surprised. You gotta be very careful where you check it. If you don't have anyone to check it, I have somebody very reliable in Mansi, an Ashkenazi sofer. He knows Faradi writing. He's 100% Sadiq, no baloney, no games, no greed. Sometimes I bring in pairs of tefillin for people. If he finds out that it's someone who learned Torah, no charge. And he works hours to check it. No, no, he's learning Torah, my mitzvah, no problem, no charge. No greed. Remember, this is the rule, and I'm, I'm glad it's recorded. I know it's controversial, but what can I do? The truth is controversial most of the time. Whenever you come, to check anything, doesn't matter who you bought it from, tefillin, mezuzot, and the person who check it, he's one who sells also, you gotta be very suspicious. Why? It cannot be objective when it comes to money sometimes. His goal now, oh, there is a comment. Some of the comments can be fixed for $20, for $10, can be fixed and make it perfectly fine. Not that it was not kosher, there's a comment. It could be correction. Certain things cannot be corrected, but many of the little comments can be corrected in five minutes or in one minute. Why to spend another $1,000 or another $800 if you can correct it, if there is a comment? You understand? So this is what's happening here. You're giving the person the wrong advice. Giving him the wrong advice. And because he count on you, you are a doctor, you are a mechanic, you are a rabbi, you are a sofer. I said last week, if you remember, that there was one, one uh, person that uh, he, he grew up religious. He went to the Israeli army and he became secular over there. And then he finished the army, like unfortunately most religious people go to the army. Somehow in between the service, they take off their yarmulke 
and they leave the army not religious, unfortunately, or, or if they stay with the Yamaka, but their spiritual level tremendously is lower than when they started the army, and that's the truth, there's nothing you can do. And he came to America completely Chiloni, not religious, this guy. He came to America, and four or five years he was in America, and then somehow he came, he started to come back, and he came to our yeshiva in Monsi, he was learning there, but since he knew so much, because he learned for many years, 18 years he learned Torah since he's a little kid, it's not a joke, and he's a very smart person. So right away, within two or three years that he was learning in Monsi, he became like a serious rabbi. And uh, he was teaching in yeshiva, and he was not married. So you're not married, you don't get paid. He was teaching for free. So the rabbi is over there. He doesn't have to give him a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month to teach. Depend on the hours, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's great saving. You have a teacher for free. So it's very good for him that he's gonna stay there forever. Why he's gonna let him go? So that guy came to him and said, Rabbi, I want to move to a serious yeshiva in Israel, according to my level, Baruch Hashem, on a very high level. You know, okay, this yeshiva, it's for beginners and for the next level. But for a really top level, maybe I, maybe I got to move on. No, no, it's good for you. It's not good over there. Stay here, stay here. I told him, he cannot be objective. By letting you go, he lose $2,000 a month. You don't ask him, is not objective. I'm telling you, go back to Israel and go to a big yeshiva and grow. That's what Hashem wants. And he went to Israel, and today is one of the biggest rabbis in Israel. That's oh, okay. Yeah. He's, going, he's going to, he's, going to uh, he's speaking on the radio, he answers questions. He's a big Talmud Chacham. And, and the most important thing, just to know a lot is not enough. He has Irat Shamayim. He's a humble person. He's a decent person. He's an honest person. Word is a word. Answer is an answer. Respect is respect. Speaks to every person in the right level. That's what we need. Baruch Hashem, we have thousands like this. But the situation in general is not so good. Overall, we have, Baruch Hashem, many honest and great Talmidei Chachamim. But overall, the situation is that it's that what the Gemara said 2,000 years ago today has a much bigger meaning. The Gemara said that every person will be in your eyes. You have to respect him like Rabban Gamliel, the president of Israel, by respect. But at the same time, you have to suspect him that he's a mafia guy, a robber. He sits in your house, you respect him like a king. You have to leave and your wallet or your diamonds over there, wait, wait, maybe he's a robber, I don't know who he is. Which means that the, the image of a person doesn't mean a lot. Doesn't mean a lot. He can, he, he can look like the Rambam, it doesn't mean anything. I always say the Indians in India, if you wouldn't know the Indians and bow down to their idols, what's the difference between their beard and the, the tarbush that they wear on their head? to some of the picture of rabbis from hundreds of years ago, you wouldn't know the difference. The, the, the external image sometimes confuses a person and causes him to make the wrong decision. Also, uh, the Torah didn't mean that if the Torah told you to be humble and down to earth and modest, yes, but the Torah did not command the person to be a fool. An idiot, which means let people take advantage on you. Let them fool you. Let them fool you. Okay, come again tomorrow. Fool me again tomorrow. Come to steal again. 
No problem. I'm, I'm, I'm ochel. I'm forgiving you. No, that's not what the Torah meant. The opposite, the Torah says, im ikesh titapal, which means, im ikesh titpatal, which means that uh, he's stubborn, you'll be like him. He's a crook, you, you trick him like he comes to trick you. This is what that Yaakov Avinu did to Lavan, the crook, his, his uh, father, father-in-law. He's tricking him, he's cheating him. You know, Yaakov was one step ahead of him. He was more clever than him. Why? You're crook, you're coming to deceive me? I'll prepare you a surprise that you never dream. This is the right way. There is nowhere in the Torah that the Torah says, yes, Mr. Crook, come, come, here, I'm, I don't look. Here is my wallet, come, I don't look. Some religious people think that this is what God wants from you. No. There is no obligation to be stupid just because you want to be righteous. Righteous doesn't mean you have to be stupid. Remember this. And many people make this mistake. Okay, so let's move on. The Torah continues, do not hate your brother in your heart. Needless to say, in actions. In the heart, you're not allowed. Some people say, I do not like this guy. I cannot stand this guy. I cannot stand that guy. But you know what's good about me? I don't let anyone see. I respect them. I treat them nice. Everyone equal. Very nice. It's very nice. You hate someone and still treat him nice. It's nice level. But even that, it's a sin in the Torah. The sin is to hate him in your heart. So you may say, well, someone is a murderer. Someone is a rapist. Someone is a professional crook. How can I not hate him? If I love him, that means I hate Hashem. If I hate him, it means I love God. True. But don't hate him. Hate is action. Yes, take all the necessary uh, uh, steps to protect yourself. Of course. Don't hate a miserable person. He's wicked. He's already expecting a horrible time of paying for, for his horrible sins. He's a miserable person already. You know where he's heading to. How can you not feel a pity for him? You're angry now for what he did. But really, technically, if you think about it, we all know the truth. Where is he going to end this person? Another year, another 10, another 20. It's going to a very not pleasant place. So what's the point? You know, I give you an example. Let's say somebody stole from you money and got you very upset. Very upset. And then you're very angry at him for two, three months. Every time you hear his name, you want to kill him. Oh, don't mention his name in front of me. And then somebody came to you and said, you know, his son just died from cancer. I was in a funeral. He buried his son. This person is very miserable. You should see how he looks. He lost all his weight. He got 20 years older. All the anger about the 200 bucks that he stole from you is gone in a minute. Right? You say to yourself, this person got such punishment. I'm thinking about 200 or 2,000 that he stole from me. In a minute, you forgive him even though he never apologized and never returned the money. What's the connection? It's the mercy of a person. When a person sees that even his enemy is so buried, unless if you're a monster, if you're a monster, of course, it's never enough. You see him dead on the street, he's still not satisfied. So that means you're a cool person. But every decent person, the best thing is to forgive right away, before he got punished. Before Chas Shalom, he needs to die or to get, be sick or to bury anyone. Without all that, to forgive. That's a, this is a very high level. Okay, so now, do not take revenge. 
And even if you hold yourself from not revenging, which means you ask your friend to give you a loan, you gave him a loan when he needed, he returned it. A year later, he comes to ask you for a loan, you don't give him. So, you know, he say to you, I don't understand. When you needed my help, I help you. Now when I need your help, you don't help me? Not allowed to say it according to the Torah. How do you know? Maybe he can't afford, maybe he doesn't have, maybe your money. What you see, it's not always the situation. And plus, what happened if a person say, okay, when, when I needed you to help me, you didn't help me. Now you need me to help you? Okay, I'll help you. I, just to show you that I'm not like you. Here, I'll help you. You say, oh, very nice. When I needed his help, he didn't want to help me. When he needs my help, I'm not going to be like him. Here, I'll help you. But saying it, it's already a big sin from the Torah. It's not as bad as doing measure for measure. You're not God. Leave it to God. He didn't help you? Fine. He needs your help? Help him. Without saying anything. Once you say it, it's a violation from the 613 commandments. Which one? Lotitor. Titor means to keep, to keep it in your heart, and now it comes out of your mouth. Remember when I needed your help, you didn't give me, but I'm not like you. Here, I'm giving you. That comment is exactly like eating pork. Did you know that? Someone serves you a steak, now pork. You eat? No, you kill me, I don't eat. What, are you crazy? But making that comment is mamash a violation from the Torah. So that's the right way to give and not to hold anything against the person. It's very, very difficult. How can you reach such level? Learning Torah and elevate your emunah. Without this, what do you have to, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Then it says like this, should love your brother like you love yourself. Which brother? Not your biological brother. That's needless to say, that's normal. Brother, sister, it's all family, grew up together. Today it's not true anymore. Today, when you look at the relationship between brothers and families and sisters and this, it's far away from being great. Far away from being great. It's very far away. But, 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 if you have a, what the Torah say, what the Torah says, uh, what the Torah say, you should love your brother like you love yourself, means what you hate people doing to you, you don't do to anybody else. One person came to me, I once told that story. He said, I cannot stand that person. And I say, wow, what did he do to you? I was expecting an answer. He insulted me. He stole from me. He beat me up. He's wishing me bad, something like that. So he said to me, he's, he's sitting on my bed in yeshiva, in the dorm. Upstairs they sleep. So he, sleep, he sits on his bed. He sits on my bed, he said to me. And I say to him, I don't understand. So what's the problem if he sits on your bed? What happened to the bed? It broke? He said, no, I put my sheet. I like my bed to be neat and clean. And I told him, don't sit on my bed. So I say to him, this is what gets you so angry that you hate a Jew because he sits on your bed? He said to me, yes. And I said to him, let me ask you a question. You never sat on anyone's bed in a dorm in the yeshiva? So he looks at me, I said, but say the truth. He said, I do. So how can you hate someone for sitting on your bed when you're every day sitting on someone else's bed? 
A person doesn't see his own problem. It's very difficult. Cannot be objective. It's very difficult to be objective. One of the hardest things in life. But to be objective, if you are objective, even when supposedly you lose, then you know that you reach some kind of a level. Last Shabbat, I was in Shabbaton. Not uh, two days ago, the one before. I was in Shabbaton in Englewood, and there was a rabbi there from Israel, from Bechemesh. And he has a gmach, he collects a lot of money from people in America, and he gives it to the poor people in Bechemesh. He makes them boxes for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, for all that. And he, and he needs a lot of money, because he gives a lot of, a lot of boxes to many families. The poverty in certain parts of Israel is horrible. So in the end of the Shabbaton, there was a couple there, and the woman came and handed him a check. For after he showed in Motzei Shabbat, he showed a 10 minutes film about the poor people that came to speak to the camera, how he saved their life by giving them food and clothes to wear and help some families not to be on the street when they're about to lose their home, which is a very big mitzvah, everybody understand. So she looked at me, I was standing next to him because we were having, we were having a conversation. So she said, Rabbi, please, no offense, we will also help your cause. But right now, this is more urgent to help the poor people to get food. So the other rabbi, not me, I, I didn't ask for anyone to give anything. It wasn't the plan there. It was only a Shabbaton. The other rabbi told her, no, you're wrong, ma'am. His cause is much more urgent than mine. I am saving the bodies, but he's saving the souls. It's eternity. It's nothing to compare. The body is 10, 20 years here, and that's it. The soul is for eternity. It's much more important cause. But she didn't, she didn't know. She meant well. But this is a person that is objective. He could have been silent. Nobody asked him to come and tell her, no, no, you are wrong. She could have changed her mind. Of course, she would be embarrassed. But here is finally, he has someone to come to support his cause. And he tells her the truth in front of everyone. Why? Because that's what Hashem wants, to reach the right level, regardless of me. I'm just nothing in the system. I'm not doing what's good for me. This is what the Ramchal says here. You know, don't give a bad suggestion to someone thinking it's going to benefit you indirectly. And you should always remember, you have to fear God, not this person or the police or what the street is going to say about you if one day they discover you. No, that's not what you have to worry about. And also you have to raise your children not to be afraid of the police when you don't put seatbelt. Abba, police, police. No, I'm not putting seatbelt for the police. I have to do it because it can save life, that's all. And because what? I'm afraid of Hashem. You sit in my car, I'm responsible for you. I make a sharp turn, you fall, you bang your head, can be paralyzed for the rest of your life. I care about the police. The police is what bothers me. I have to fear God, that's it. Only one. I'm telling you already, it's impossible. You cannot love another Jew like you love yourself. And that's what God wants from you. It doesn't want from you this. It doesn't expect you to love some Moshe on the street or Yaakov on the street that you love your, like you love yourself. No. He just expects from you, don't do to him what you don't want him to do to you. 
Don't do to others what you don't want others to do to you. That's what it means. Because otherwise, let me explain to you, otherwise, how, what does it mean, You come home, and you see a little baby fell from the third floor, God forbid. And the police, and Atzala, and people are crying on the streets in the whole neighborhood. And you ask someone, what happened? They say, a baby fell from the third floor. And you know you live in a building in the third floor. What side of the building? The front. Wow, now your heart is going 100 times a minute. You run quickly, you're afraid it's maybe your baby. And you know there's only two four apartments in the floor, and it's one out of four. So it's a 25% chance, God forbid, it's your baby. So you run like crazy. The police doesn't want to let you in. You beg him, listen, I live here. He could be my son. You run, you sweat, you forget your bag, you forget your diamonds on the floor. Nobody cares about your bag right now. You only care about one thing, to make sure that it's not your baby. And when you run, you see one of the neighbors come to you, hey, Moshe, relax. Moshe, relax, it's not your baby. It's the other family's baby. So what the person does, ah, thank you, Hashem, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Wow, I, 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 I owe you my life, please. Wow, forgive me. Thank you for doing it for me. What happened? You should cry just as much for the neighbor's kid. What? It's not, it's, you should love him like you love your own son. But it's normal. It's normal. People worry about their own children more than other children. You understand? But Hashem knows our limitation. He didn't want you to cry for the kid over there just like you cry for your son. A little bit less. It's normal. But don't go to do against others what you don't want others to do to you. Then the Ramchal continue. There are kind of people that are professional liars. What's the difference between a liar and a professional liar? Some people lie out of fear. The police pulled him over. What happened? Why you don't have inspection? Why you don't have this? He's afraid to get, I don't know, $200 penalty. So he makes up a lie. He only lied because supposedly he didn't have a choice. Of course he had a choice to trust Hashem and pay the fine, and Hashem sent it somewhere else. And everything, everything Hashem does for the good. But he chose to find a shortcut and to lie. But he, he, he can justify himself by saying, I never lie, only when there's really no choice. But some people become such liars that they cannot live without it. Which means every second of their life is, who do I lie? Who do I deceive? Who do I cheat? Who do I trick? And everything in their life is around it, in their job, in their business, in their home, with their wife, with their children, in a shul, in the yeshiva, everywhere. Even when they sit and learn Gemara, they cannot be one hour honest. Somebody say the answer, and it's different than your answer. And inside your heart, you know that his answer is the correct one, but it's your ego. You are 10 years in yeshiva, it's only one year. The ego is killing you. So you start, oh, no, no, let me show you this. I, I know there's a Rambam. Wait, wait, let me show you this. The Ramban, the, it's in a Chinuch. Three hours, everyone is losing now because Mr. Ego doesn't want to be offended. Isn't it better just to say you're right, your answer is better than mine, and move on? But this is all about the traits of a person. So listen good what he writes. Umanutam mamashuhi This is their art, their profession. 
They come and invent lies and cheating in every one of their conversation. And this is, this is who Hashem spoke about by saying, to avat Hashem siftei shaker. It's despicable in the eyes of Hashem, lips that constantly lie non-stop. Where is it? Mishle Yudbet, Shlomo HaMelech. And the prophet Yeshayahu, 59, verse 3, Your lips, your mouth spoke lies. Your tongue is busy deceiving others. Our sages Chazal in the Gemara in Masechet Sota, page 42, this is what Chazal told us. There are four groups of people, four categories of people who cannot accept Pnei Shechina. What does it mean, cannot accept Pnei Shechina? There's a few ways to explain it. The simple understanding is that there is the spirit of Hashem, and Hashem is revealing His holiness, His Kedusha, is coming close to a person according to His action in His Kedusha. If a person watches his eyes, if a person learns Torah, he goes to the mikveh, he doesn't lie, he's a good person, he keeps all the mitzvot, you know, so automatically Hashem is closer to him and he feels the siyata dishmaya. Once he lies, automatically Hashem is running away from him. Same thing, the Torah says, When I come to bless you and I see lack of modesty, your wife is not modest, your daughters in the house are not dressed properly, or you are in a place that is a mixed wedding and there's no holiness over there, how can I come there and give you a blessing when I'm, when I'm disgusted from the way people behave and dress? I cannot come in. Holiness and the opposite of holiness, impurity, doesn't go together. Water and fire does not go together. It's either water or fire. It cannot go together. One is the enemy of the other. So there's no modesty. There's no Hashem. There's proud people, there's no Hashem over there. Why? There is too many Hashems in this room. There's 10 people with huge ego. All they care about is their ego and their pride. Why do you need me over there? You don't need me. There's 10 different gods there. Everyone thinks he's a god. Like Paro, 5 o'clock in the morning, he goes to do his bathroom there by the Nile because he pretends he's a god. No, so why, what's, why does he have to go to the bathroom at 5 o'clock? He doesn't want anyone to know that he's, a, that he's human. And he has to go to the bathroom because he constantly tells people, don't you see I never have to go to the bathroom? I'm not a regular person. So one of the groups who does not accept Neshchina is Kat Shakranim, a category of liars. There are... There is a category, the Ramchal say, that it's very close to liars in the level, but not as much. They're not 100% like the liars. But there are people who like to exaggerate and change some details in a story. Rabbi, I don't lie. I just made the story a little bit more juicy. It's a white lie in America. White lie. White lie, it sounds like it's a mitzvah or something. White lie. There is no white lie, no green lie, no blue lie, no black lie. Lie is a lie. But exaggeration, it was 300 people, he say 400. It's an exaggeration. Sometimes the exaggeration doesn't gain anything to you. 
it doesn't gain anything to you. You're already getting your point, already getting your point by saying the right number. You did not gain anything, right? I give you an example. If a doctor made a thousand open heart surgery and a patient is asking him for references and he has a thousand patients that he operate on and the doctor wants to sound that he's great, so he say 3,000. Did it really make a difference? It doesn't make a difference. A thousand is plenty. Why do you need to say 3,000? It makes him feel great. He really did not deceive the patient. The patient will do the operation by him even with 200. Oh, 200 times you did that surgery? That means you have enough experience. How many years are you in business? He's five years in business. He say 15. Really, five years is enough. Five years you're changing brakes. What can go wrong? Every day you change brakes for five years. You don't know how to change brakes? Of course you know. Nobody say 15. It makes him feel greater. And there's many other lies like this. This is almost like the level of the liars who really gain supposedly from their lies. And the Ramchal continue. Some people go and make stories that never happen in reality. Invent stories. Inventing stories. What are you inventing stories? You know, one time I went with my father over there, and there was this, and there was robbery, and my father knocked the gun out of the robber's hand, and you should know my father was a brave man. His father is pa passed away already five years ago. This person doesn't know his father, but he likes to feel great. He's talking about making up stories about his father. You know, one time I heard a person, I went with my father in Mexico, there was clouds, we couldn't see the moon, we wanted to do Birkat Alvana. My father went like this, in five minutes, everything got clear. We say Birkat Alvana, everything came back. It's, it's, of course, a, this person is a, I don't want to say what, but what did he gain by that? Honor, respect. But really, did I lose something from, his, from the story about his father? Do I care if it happened, didn't happen? Did it change my life? Did it make me lose money? Big deal, let him think I believe him. But that's also a big sin from the Torah. Even when a person did not really get a direct damage or any kind of damage, it's also, it's also a sin. Why? Because the stamp of Hashem is always the truth. Always keep your mouth from not saying any kind of lie or exaggeration. And also there are people that make sure to talk only about the truth with one or two exceptions to the rules. They tell a story that has 100 details in it. All they did is they change one or two details in the entire story. They are clever liars, clever bemerchaot, not really clever. They think they're clever. What does it mean, clever liars? That they know that if somebody go to check their story, it will be very difficult to catch them lying because the other person will say just, as, just the same story with one or two details difference. It will be very difficult to catch that over here he say Wednesday, over here he say Tuesday, and that changed the entire story. Or he said, uh, you know, he gave him a check for 10,000, and in the end it was really 100,000 or 1,000. One little detail, one zero, one dot. We changed the dot by one. Something very supposedly minor, and that's also a scene. And there are people who you cannot believe one word that comes out of their mouth. And there's no mitzvah to hide. 
you know, this person is chazaka, it's a certainty. We know him for 20 years, it's, he has a disease. Everything he say. Moshe, what day is this today? Wednesday. It's Monday. What did he gain by saying Wednesday? He just can't say the truth. It's already such a mental disease that even for no reason he lie. For no reason. Why? He can't control anymore. He got so deep that he lost control on his life. Somebody like this, even when he finally say the truth, you must assume that something is fishy here. For sure he's lying. What do you mean? He said that it's Monday today. He said it's Monday. Check again. Maybe we, something happened to us. Can't believe him. Why? 20 years is lying. Don't believe this person. End of story. And there are some people... That lying as a joke. Prick jokes, you know, fooling someone, which means you put your key on the table and you go to make yourself tea and you come back and the, the key is gone. Where's my key? Did you come with your key? Yeah, just put it here. No, it wasn't here. So five minutes, you look around, you call your wife. Wow, what happened? I lost my key. Would you be able to come give me the spare key? That is making the person nervous and he and everyone laugh. Hey, here is your key. Is that a sin? Absolutely, yes. Just like eating pork. Same thing. You serve a person's steak of pork for everyone to laugh when he eats. Would he eat to make everyone happy? Your friend sitting there and you want to make them happy. They're depressed a little bit today. Their basketball team lost the championship. So they're upset. So guys, if I'll eat pork, you'll be happy? Of course, wow, it will be great. You'll finally be wicked like us. Okay, let me eat for you. Would you do it? If you're a fool, yeah. If you're normal, no. So what did you gain by hiding the key and everyone laugh and this person is upset, even for one minute? But there are two problems here. One, you're making a person upset which you know, you're not allowed even for a second ever in your life to make any person upset. And second is that for two minutes you say the lie, temporary lie. Yeah, you corrected your lie in the end, but it's a lie. And a lie cannot be told, ever. So they don't have intention to gain anything or to hurt anyone. For sure not. They just want to have a good time. And that's it. I'll give you another example. Let's say you bought something in a store and uh, the tag is $100. You took off the tag and you gave it to your friend as a gift for his birthday. And then you say to somebody else, I, want, I need a favor from you. When you see him, tell him, hey, you know, the thing that he got for you, I went with him to, to buy it, it was $300. You want your friend to be impressed that you spent on his birthday $300, but it was only really 100 Allowed or not allowed? What's the problem if he thinks that I like him very much and I spent 300 on him? It makes peace between brothers, no? He will appreciate me more, not allowed. But what happened if the tax say 300 and when I came to the register, they told me, oh, today it's on sale, we just didn't update it, it's only 150. Do you have an obligation to cross the 300 and put 150 when you give it a gift with the tag or no? You can keep it 300. What's the difference? Why over here you're not allowed to say 300? And over here, 
you don't have to change to 150. It's, gonna, it's going to mislead him. He thinks you spent $300 on him. The answer is, but over here, it's really worth 300. That's really the value of it. It was 300 the entire year. Now they have a week sell. So you're giving him something, you got lucky, you got away with $150. It's like they made a mistake on your credit card bill. That's not his business. He got something that valued at 300. So there are thousands of cases like this. What's allowed, what's not allowed. If you're not a Talmud Chacham, you don't know. You have to ask. If you don't ask, you can make a mistake 20 years of your life every week. Here, there, here. constantly the same mistake at work and all these things. So the stamp of Hashem is the truth. Zechariah, Zachary 8, verse 16, he says, Hashem said, Dabru emet ishet re'u. Speak to each other only the truth. It's a divine order. Hashem is saying to us, you must only speak the truth. I want to tell you something. It's not only enough to speak the truth. You have to think the truth. How can you think the truth? The Torah says, That you get to a situation that it will be in your genes already. That if you will try to lie, the words would not come out. I have a friend like this. One time we had a horrible situation many years ago. And the only way for him to get saved was to say a little lie. And he would get away with a horrible situation. And when he finally came to lie, he opened up his mouth like this, mamash like this. And he got stuck. He couldn't, the words couldn't come out. <laughs> I said, to him, I should have known you better. <laughs> to ask you to say something that is not 100% is like asking you to fly a plane. There's no idea how to do it. Some people frozen like ice. Don't move, a, don't move a bit. They trick all the specialists, the police, the investigator, they stand behind the glass, lie detector. I know one person, 20 years ago, he was a professional crook in insurance fraud, doing insurance fraud in his businesses. Sometimes here, sometimes there, all different kinds of places. And a few times they took him to a lie detector. You know? Every time he passed the test, his blood is blue, this guy. He doesn't have feelings. Sit in front of the investigator like this, of course, he believes his lies. He can fool anyone. That means that the lie became an integral part of him. It's like you have a heart and a liver and a liar. That's what you are. Here, you get away with your lies. Over there, you have a very serious problem. Many people say, I got lucky. No, my friend, you didn't get lucky. You would get lucky if you get caught here. You get caught here, you go, you pay the price, you pay a penalty, you go to jail, you get embarrassment, you stop lying. For the next 40 years, you don't gain punishment. Since you got away with the first lie, and the second, and the third, it became a habit. For the years, you gain punishments. So you're lucky? You're miserable, you're not lucky. A crook should be upset that he didn't get caught in the first time. First or the second time. The fact that he did not get caught first, second, third time made him who he is, the head of the mafia and a big murderer. 
He thinks I got lucky. One guy called me and told me, Hashem was good to me all these years. He gave me a lot of money, parnasa easy, that I can afford to buy myself the best cocaine. Addicted to cocaine 30 years, he said to me on the phone, God was good to me. He gave me good money that I could afford the best stuff that I'm not dead by now. You understand? It's crazy how people think. Just like when the thief robbed the bank and the police didn't catch him, he said, thank you, Hashem. You've been so great to me, always protecting me. He reached Tehillim before he robbed the bank. <laughs> before and after. And after he finished, he makes Saudat Odaya in a shul. <laughs> Moshe, what are you thanking anyone? That's my secret. But I have a great gratitude to Hashem. Drinks, whiskey, steaks, all on me. <laughs> he robbed the bank. You understand? He doesn't see... He doesn't even see that the way he lives is all wrong. One of the foundations of the world, the Torah taught us, it's the truth. The Torah is one of it. The sacrifices in Bet HaMikdash is one of the foundations. The truth is another foundation. When a table has four legs and you took one off, what happened? There's no more table. There are three other legs, a worthless. You take one foundation out, you knock down the whole world. Then many of these lies and deceiving and cheating and lying and stealing and tricking, it's a chain reaction that it causes, it leads to Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem. Disgrace the name of Hashem. If you are a Jew and you lie and you deceive and you cheat and the guy see it, what happened? He tells his wife, who tells her sister, who tells her neighbor, and 5,000 people in less than a day, they already know that that Jew stole and lied and tricked and who knows what, or yelled. Chilul Hashem. What's the punishment of Chilul Hashem? Who knows? What's the punishment of Mechalel Shabbat? Punishment of a person who doesn't keep Shabbat. What's his punishment? Stoning, execution in the Jewish court, and has no share to the world to come. His soul get cut out of Olam Abba, the next world. What's the punishment of Chilul Hashem? Wars or less? Embarrassing the name of Hashem in the public. No, so what can be worse than stoning and losing your share to the world to come? The answer is... To make repentance for Chilul Shabbat is very difficult, but not as much as Chilul Hashem. Which means, let me give you an example. A person who wasn't Shomer Shabbat, so he has to start keeping Shabbat. He's keeping Shabbat, that's step number one. He's not violating anymore. He's ashamed for all the years he did not keep. He's Asking every day for Hashem to forgive him, he makes confession when he prays, right? He has to go through X amount of suffering because he was violating Shabbat knowing it's a holy day and he did it on purpose for his convenience, driving his car, knowing it's a special day. Some of them even go to shul and right after that go to work, like in some places here in America. So it was perfectly clear to him that he's making a big sin, but it's convenient. Hashem will understand me, he thinks. Illusions. So what happened? 
He must receive suffering. If he did not get suffering, he did not correct the sin of Chilud Shabbat. Why? Every sin of Isur Karet, that the decrees that God say, I'm cutting that soul out of eternity, the way to return the soul to eternity is through suffering. No suffering, no eternity. That's a rule. Rule, like in math. Cannot contradict it. No. So a person that did Chilul Hashem, how you reverse the effect that he made. Kiddush Hashem is one way, but there is a requirement. Even if you do Kiddush Hashem, it's not enough. So this is the rule. To stop doing the Chilul Hashem. To regret. To be ashamed. To ask Hashem to forgive you every day by making confession. Or... Yom Kippur, I forgot. Shabbat, you also need Yom Kippur, and now also you need Yom Kippur to fast as many as Yom Kippur until you died. And suffering, everything like Shabbat so far, one more step that you don't have by Shabbat. That, in a special way, accident, car accident, falling from a building, burning in a plane, explosion, terrorism, the death finalize the repentance. No death, no repentance. You die when you sleep in your bed, uh -huh, snoring, age 120, enjoy life. You have to have mitatoz haparato. The actual death is the complete repentance for Hilul Hashem. No death, no repentance. Psalm says, like Sami here says, you have to do a lot of Kiddush Hashem. Up to now, you made people hate religion because of your behaving. Look how you behave to your employees, to your neighbor, to your people. Some people means well, but they do horrible, horrible damage to Judaism. First of all, let me give you an example. Many people became religious two or three months. They already want to be preachers. They preach to the whole world, in their work, to the parents, to the uncle, to the cousin, to his boss, to his employees, to his ex-wife. Hold it, hold it. Don't come full force. You're not ready for it yet. Two or three questions, they see you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to make more damage than help. Second, you have to know how to talk to people. You don't just come and fall on a person and begin to attack him and tell him how wrong he is. There are many ways that a person, because he doesn't have enough experience, he makes big damages. Plus, things that you could have done before, before you had yamaka, you cannot do now. Before you had yamaka, you can pick your nose. So somebody saw you in a subway. So he thinks you're crazy. No? So what happened? It's no Hilul Hashem. He doesn't know you're a Jew. Now he see you a beard, yamaka, and you go like this, like a monkey. So look at these Jews, how they pick their nose in a subway. They don't have manners. Now it's not you anymore, it's Hashem. You have a tag here. Tag. Like you work for Microsoft, you have a tag. You work for Apple, you have a tag. You're not Mr. X. You're Apple, you're Microsoft, and then you are Mr. X. First is the tag. You understand? The responsibility that you have on your head comes before who you are, your identity and your personal dignity. You're representing me. You go by my rules. I'm your boss. I gave you this job. I trusted you. You cannot come to work with shorts. Let everyone see your beautiful legs. What's going on here? 
You're a salesman of my company. You have to dress properly. The way you look, that's the way people think about me. If I hire a joker like you, what do they think about me? That I'm just as bad as you. And many other examples like this in life. A Jew is a representative of God, whether he wants it or not. And if he doesn't like the responsibility that God gave him, too bad. You have nothing you can do. There is nobody who can dismiss you from your mission. Whether you like it or not, you have to do it. You don't do it, you'll pay the price. Very simple. Then we continue. The Ramchal continue, and he says like this. What, how far Chilul Hashem can go? How far? We think Chilul Hashem, you go with your yarmulke and curse on the street and scream and break someone's face and they caught you robbing a bank and who knows what. Or, or made off, right? That's big Chilul Hashem. Yes, that's all Chilul Hashem. But it doesn't have to go that far. It doesn't have to go that far. Chilul Hashem is... I'll give you a few examples. The Gemara says, I'm a Rav. Rav in the Gemara 2,000 years ago. I do Chilul Hashem. I do Chilul Hashem. What do you mean you do Chilul Hashem? I buy meat from the butcher and don't pay immediately. I pay a few days later. It's allowed. The butcher agrees. It gives you credit. But when a big rabbi like him comes to a store and take meat and don't give cash right away, there will be one or two people in the store that will say, hey, what kind of Torah this guy has? He can't pay right away. He has to come a week later and pay. He needs credit. It's enough. It's already made people think not so nice about the Torah. That's in his level, Chilul Hashem. The Gemara continues, Rabbi Yochanan say, I do Chilul Hashem. Learn from me what not to do. What? I walk four steps without filin and without Torah. You understand what it means? I walk four steps on the street. Four steps! Five seconds! Without learning Torah or the filin wasn't on me. Which means everybody else was walking all day with filin on them and always learned Torah. He walked four steps, Arba Amot, it's two meters, six feet. Five steps, four steps, that's it. Four steps without thinking about Torah. Four steps without having the tefillin on my arm and on my head. It happened a few times in my life. That's big Chilul Hashem. Somebody saw me on the street without my tefillin. So what we learned from this? Don't worry. No, no, nobody is asking you to walk all day in the street with feeling. Don't worry. It's a, it's depend who you are. Depend who you are. If you're just a beginner, you're barely religious. Don't worry. The people know not to expect from you too much. Ah, you grew a beard like this. Pay the price, my friend. Now everyone thinks you're a rabbi. You have to behave like a rabbi. Why? Who grew a beard like this? In today's generation. The old generation, everyone had a beard, even the Goim. Herzl, you know, you saw Herzl? Herzl had a beard. Looks like a rabbi. And he wanted to make all of us Christian. That was his plan. But he had a beard like this. Because yeah, in the old days, people had beards. It was in fashion. It was in style. If you pretend you're somebody important, 
you're gonna pay a bigger price for Hilul Hashem than someone who does not pretend is important. Remember this rule. Hilul Hashem, it's very tricky, very tricky halacha. Very tricky, why? It's not only by who you are, which is very important. It's also what the people may think. I once gave an example. One Baal Tshuva, he became religious and he couldn't find a job. So he asked Rav Eliashiv, Refuash Lema he should have. He asked Rav Eliashiv, I have two jobs offer. To drive a truck that delivers pork to all the Russian people in Israel, all the Amalekim who eat pork non-stop in Israel. Many goyim came to Israel, hundreds of thousands, and all they do is eat pork from morning to night. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, 150 stores in every city of Hazir in Israel. Christian cemeteries, lights everywhere. No, no, you're not sure anymore it's Israel, Bechlal. So he wants now to be a driver. He doesn't touch the meat. The meat is in the refrigerator in the back. He sits in the front just driving. Drive here, drive there, like a taxi driver. He drives a truck. He has a baseball hat, you know, and uh, you know, he has tzitziot, he has beard. People may understand that he's religious by his look. Now he's thinking, he asked Rav Yashiv, I have two ways, two jobs. One is to deliver pork. One is to deliver secular newspaper, Yediot Achronot, full of Lashonara, full of gossip, full of problems with modesty, politics, lies, all kinds of things. Murdering people with their article day and night. So which one is a much bigger scene? Of course, delivering newspaper to a person is much worse than giving him pork to eat. If you give a Jew pork to eat, eat! Eat, if not, I give you a punch. Eat, you have to eat. And he ate. You violate a rule. Two sins, one the Oraita, one the Rabbanan. One and a half sins. You give him the newspaper, or you turn him into a dirty page in the internet that have all kinds of bad pictures, and now every day he goes there. Even not every day, even one minute. In front of you, here, look here. He, does, he doesn't remember the address of this website. Come, I want to show you something. And he looked at that. You destroy his soul. It's much worse than killing him physically. Much worse than people think, wow, he killed him. He's a murderer. Everyone wants to execute you. He doesn't deserve to live. Show him dirty things in the internet. What did he do? What happened, Rabbi? Why are you be so fanatic? Because Hashem, Hashem, Hashem is not a liar. Hashem say you make someone make sins is worse than killing him. Killing the body is temporary death. 20, 30 years he died, that's it. Killing the soul is for eternity. A person can lose everything by one horrible sin he does. So of course to deliver dirty newspapers is much worse than delivering pork. But... Most of the people are not aware of the Torah rules in Israel. They're all secular. You ask 100 Israelis on the street, tell me, which job is dirtier for a religious person? To deliver pork or to deliver newspapers? To deliver newspapers? What's dirty about it? What's the problem? They don't understand that there's a problem. <laughs> they live in a dream. They don't understand naked ladies, lies, lashonara making, publishing people, destroying their life. They don't understand this. 
They think in Chazir, even us we don't touch Chazir. Most of the Chilonim don't eat Chazir. You, want, you religious person wants to drive Chazir? Shame on you! Oh, you're driving newspaper? Yishar Koach, Chazak Baruch, big mitzvah. So Avelyashiv told him, the truth is better delivering the pork. But in Chilul Hashem, it goes by what the people think, even if they're foolish. So if the people around us do not know anything about Torah, we have to go by their level. Not to make them feel bad about religion, even if they're wrong. You understand how far Chilul Hashem goes? So remember, everyone think who you are. Who you are. Then the Torah continues. A bad habit is that a person that becomes successful, automatically he becomes proud more and more and more and more, right? Until he forgets Hashem. Another step, another step. Until he gets to a point he thinks, I'm independent. Who is Hashem? That's what Paro say to Moshe Rabbeinu. Who is Hashem that I'm going to hear him? Later Hashem told him who is Hashem. And in the end, he said to, he said to Moshe, pray for me. Ask Hashem to forgive me. Here, let me also give you sacrifice to sacrifice to Hashem. In the beginning, he said, who, who is Hashem? What do you want from me? What do I have to do with him? I own the palace. I own Egypt. I'm the master here. Now you're telling me Hashem said that I'm going to let the Jews go out of Egypt. What is this? You understand? So, also a person that is angry is equal to a person who worships an idol. What's the connection? Person who worships an idol do not believe in Hashem. A person who gets angry when someone made him angry also don't believe in Hashem. Believes in Hashem, you know Hashem is testing him. Why you go so angry? Why you want to kill the person? Why you want to kill the person that because of him now you, got, you, you, you missed your appointment? All kinds of things like this. Is equal like a idol worshiper. And the conclusion... Jealousy, desires, physical desires, and honor, searching for honor, destroying the life of a person and taking him away from life of eternity. Now, jealousy, we know what it can lead to. And desires, meat, cholesterol, women, drugs, alcohol. I don't have to tell you that it's bad. Everybody understand that. To understand is one thing, and to get away from it, it's another thing. But honor, many people say, what? I'm very, it's very important to me, my honor. You're going to give me respect? Of course. What's wrong about it? I don't deserve respect. I'm a CEO of this company. I have uh, 3,000 employees. You're going to talk to me like I'm a boss. And are you going to call me doctor? If you don't call me doctor, I don't answer your phone call. They deserve, they want, they want to get their, their honor, their title, their respect. Why are you not calling me doctor? I'm your friend. 
What's the problem? It's easier to finish the whole Talmud, which is the hardest thing to learn in life. Nothing is harder in life than to learn the Gemara from A to Z and to know really good all the arguments, the philosophical arguments, the points, the question, the answer, the proofs, the, what looks like contradiction, how it's all settled into place. Very, very long time it takes to, to get the... Just to begin to learn takes six months if you're very smart. Six months you only learn how to learn the Talmud. Before that there's nothing to talk about. Then six years, in average, it takes until you can consider yourself a good learner, if you're very smart. And then to finish the entire Talmud may take seven years, a cycle. The more you do it, then it can be a year. But it takes many years, and it's very difficult. And I'm, we're not talking a semester, two, three hours a day. I'm talking from morning to night, from eight, nine in the morning to 10 at night. Yeah, that's, an, that's a typical learner in yeshivot today, all over the world. So it's very difficult. But there is something that is much more difficult. To change one bad trait is much harder. You are an angry person to become down to earth, to calm, to relax, never to yell, never to get angry, never to fume. It's much harder than to finish the whole Talmud. Jealous person, to stop being a jealous person, much harder. A person that search for honor, it's very important, his ego is all the way up there. To become humbled and consider himself zero, nothing, dust in the wind, very difficult. That's why we find people that are considered even big rabbis. Big! They know so much. One day in their life they became religious, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and 20 or 30 or 40 years later, they did not get rid of their ego issues. 40 years, he learns Torah. He finished the Talmud already four times. He knows so much. You disrespected him, he's ready to kill you. You didn't invite him to make a bracha in a chatuna, he hates you for 20 years now. I'm not talking to this person anymore. What? He invited me to his chatuna. I was sitting in the audience. He didn't give me a bracha in his chuppah. I'm finished with him. I knew a person. If you look how nice is his beard and his beautiful sombrero and how he makes faces, minimum Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Everyone who looks at him, is he mekubal? Is he mekubal? He's not mekubal. He's mekupal. You know what mekupal means? You can fold him and put him in a box and throw it to the garbage. He never participate in a Brit, even his own son, unless if he's the Sandak. He won't agree to stand there like an ordinary person. And he called himself a rabbi. You understand what's happening? So he's mentally sick, there's no question in my mind. The question is, how come there are so many foolish people who run after him? That's a bigger question for me. A person can be mentally sick, he has ego problems, sometimes he can't control it, he's so deep in it. He didn't stop it then, it's very hard to stop it now. Let me explain to you what it means. Today they published NASA that there's an asteroid on the way to Earth. He would hit Earth in 2040. 28 years from now, they calculate the speed. 
It's a big asteroid. You know what an asteroid? It's like the size of a star sometimes. It's more than 6,000 kilometers. Less than that, they don't call it asteroids. They have a different name for it. So it's a massive piece, like the size of New Jersey or the size of, my, of Florida. A piece like this is flying in space. Space is almost endless. It's endless. Nobody knows the end of space if there is a limit. So it's billions of billions of miles. It's traveling towards Earth, and they calculate, you know, and the technology is amazing today. It will hit our planet in 2040. So now they're thinking how to move it. So let me tell you what it means. I don't know exactly how you can move it. I, re I don't really know. You send a missile, you do something. I don't really know what you do. Send in a missile with a bomb. I don't know how you reach it. It's millions of, of miles away. <laughs> I really, maybe they have to wait. So they say today, we have to figure out how to move it now. Not to wait until it's going to be 2035. Why? So right away, right away, when a person thinks like the Torah, right away, everything that you hear, you connect to Torah. So I right away remembered what the Torah says. When a person is young, is two, three, four, five, six years old, up to six, it's much easier to change his personality than when he's 60. If a person is 60 years full of ego, full of anger, Oh, you're going to change him now when he's 60 years old. Yeah, teach him, you have to be humble, calm down. This, don't talk about yourself, put yourself down, you are nothing. It's very difficult. It's already in the system. When he was five years old, one, two, three weeks, you can get it out of his system. It's very, diff very easy to change the way the kids think. Like when, the, when your little kid comes to brag about what he did or that he's the best in the class, you have to attack it right there, not to wait when it's going to be 18. Who do you think you are? Just because Hashem gave you a brain and you think better than somebody else, you think you're great, you didn't do anything in your life. You know how much you have to learn until you deserve kavod and respect. So right away, you put them in the right perspective. Because if not, he's only going to be more and more hungry for ego, for respect. So this is like the asteroid. Now... All you have to do is to move it one inch. You move it one inch in its direction. If you move it one inch, after millions of millions of miles, it's going to be thousands of miles away from Earth. Because when it's far, you move it an inch, when you launch a missile. If when you launch the missile, you move it by one inch. It's supposed to go like this straight, 90 degree. You made it 90 degree and a quarter. This quarter, it's, it doesn't, you cannot see any difference right here. The missile is right here. You move it an inch, a little inch. A quarter of an inch, you move it. After thousands of miles, this quarter of an inch, the ankle, it's become hundreds or thousands of miles away from the target. Well, once it comes very close to the destination, you cannot move it an inch. You have to move it thousands of miles or hundreds of miles away. It's much difficult. This is what the Torah tells you. Now it's soft, like a plant. The plant you buy it in uh, Home Depot, it's very cheap. Why? Because it's small. They know people don't have patience five years until it becomes a tree, so they sell it cheap. Go buy a tree, it's very expensive. Tree, it's a tree already. It doesn't move with the wind. You want to move it left, right? No, my friend. It's now very difficult, but the kids, they're soft. 
you design the way they think. You have to teach them to stay off in problems with modesty. You have to teach them to watch their eyes. You have to teach them to watch their mouth, to watch their ears, to think in a kosher way. Not to give credit to the wrong people. If you show your kids you are, in, you are amazed by millionaires, what do you expect from them? They see my father is a hypocrite. He talks about Torah, this, in the house, in Shabbat, everything beautiful. But finally, bottom line, when a Talmud Chacham comes to our house, he gives him tea and speaks to him a little bit, but he's not shaking. But when a billionaire came to our house, should see how my father ran like a peacock. You know, to, wow, so much respect. Bill Gates came to my house, wow. Uh, what's his name? Warren Buffett coming to our house tomorrow. Ooh, what's going on here? So what do you, you know, Chazonish, when he met a simple Talmud Chacham, 20 years old, he gave him huge respect. When the Prime Minister Ben-Gurion of Israel came to him, didn't even get impressed by him, nothing. Just say what you have to say and, get, and let me get rid of you. Why? You eat worms, you eat not kosher, you mechalel Shabbat, you want to send the guys to the army to leave the Torah. In the end, the one, Ben-Gurion, is the one who signed that people who learn Torah don't have to go to the army. Thanks to that meeting with the Chazonish. Yeah, that's what happened. So, sometimes you see arguments. Arguments. This speaks against him, and he speaks against him, and his knees, and this, and that. It's all about ego. Ego and money. But today we're not talking about money now. We're talking about ego. Ego, it's a very dangerous disease. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest person ever lived. What did the Torah has to say about him? One word, one sentence. Ve'aish Moshe anav mikol adam. I love Moshe. He's humbled more than anyone. That's why I love him so much. David HaMelech, King David, the legendary king of the entire world. Everyone admire him. Arabs, Christians, Jews, everyone. King David? Anyone in the world doesn't know who King David is? You just read Psalm, you get goosebumps all over your body, if you understand a little bit holiness. From every word came out of his mouth. He was a divine person. Not only was a prophet, he was a, in the highest level you can imagine. And King David wrote, I'm a worm on the floor. I'm nothing. And uh, Avram Avinu said, I'm dust on the floor. Send. Well, what sand? Sand, you can step on me. Moshe and Aaron say, Venachnuma. What are we? Can't even give us a, level, a, a mark. We are zero. How do we know they really felt like this? How? Because Hashem wrote it in the Torah, in the Tanakh. Hashem is not a liar, right? You understand or no? You come to write a biography about your father. You can lie a lot. Nobody would know. You can say, you're not going to write that your father did this and this and that, and his credit was 300. You make the 3-8. It looks like. You close the, the circles, you know, it became 800. Father had great credit. Nobody would know. Someone would go and check. 
uh, your father was learning uh, three years in yeshiva, you made it third years in a biography. Why? It's good for your grandchildren. They come from a good descendants. Because you are a liar. But Hashem is not like you. Hashem wants to write about King David something. King David said that he knows that he's a worm on the floor. If in his heart he felt that he's the Mr. Big Shot, God would write in the Tanakh that King David is a worm, according to his opinion. He knows he's lying. In his heart he doesn't feel like this. You understand? This is what Hashem says. Why am I upset at my children? They respect me a lot with their lips. But their heart is far away from me, all the way on the other side of the world. With lips, they're very nice. They give respect. But in their heart, Hashem irachem. Then someone that is proud, he doesn't agree to talk to everyone. Submit your request to my secretary. I don't have time for you now. Why are you bothering me in my lunch? Why are you inviting me to your party? What makes you think I'm going to come to such a lousy, dirty party? You really think that I'm that low to invite me to this kind of party? You buying me a ticket, not first class? Shame on you. That's how we think. This is my condition. I want first class. I want limo. I want someone to escort my suitcases. I want this. I want a suite. I want it face, face to the ocean. What's going on? He thinks he's God. I'm God. You got to respect me minimum like you respect God. If you put him in a wedding sitting with his back to the band, 20 years he's going to hate you. Why? It's not about the band. He doesn't even like their music. It's what people thinking. Look where he put me to sit. Every little thing burns his heart. Everything. You know how many people like this die because of this horrible trait? Only wants to speak to high society people. And a part of his show to cut it short. He doesn't really open a conversation with just everyone. One, two, three. Like I'm doing you a favor that I'm talking to you. Appreciate that I agree to tell you two, three words. It's a big sacrifice for me to talk to someone like you. That's how they think. And, and I remember one couple, uh, I don't want to give too much hints, in Israel, the husband started to be successful in business. What happened is, he, there was one person lived in their building and had a store. And that person was a handicap. It was very hard for him to run the business by itself. So he got that person as a partner. And he gave him down payment, 10%. was supposed to give him another 90% of the store every month something. And he got in and he saw that this handicap cannot do that much. And he took over the business. And a few months later, got rid of the other one. Got rid of him with threatening, with arrogance. So the handicap couldn't handle the pressure. It was a soft person. He took the business away from him. He got rid of him. Of course, he never paid him the rest. 
was standing like this. I, I remember I was as a kid, I used to look at him. I was shaking when I saw him. How he used to talk to people with his ego and his faces. And his wife, which wasn't a bad woman, she was originally was a very good person, but being with such a husband all these years, she became like him. So I remember when they used to invite them to events that were not high society, what comments they used to make. Eh, nah, you're wasting our time, we come. Oh, and someone that was not so rich, the way he dressed, well, used to come. How they used to say, get rid of him. Why are you inviting him to your house? Why do you need these people over here? And I remember as a kid, I was thinking to myself, there's no justice. How this crook took away the business of this handicapped person. The handicapped got him in, he got rid of him. Where is God, I was thinking to myself, as a kid. How this person with ego like this, he controlled the world. Today, you know what happened? Hashem let him go high, 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 high. He bought himself a mansion in the most expensive neighborhood in Israel. Four floors, very expensive house. Now he lives, he wasn't in this level. He never got to this level, but his show-off was so demanding, so he went to live with some of his business friends that were much bigger than him, to show them I'm not less than you. But then things started to roll around, and Hashem sinked him down to the floor. You should see how we sit today in a wheelchair, and he cannot make 10 years, he cannot say one word. Sit like this. And they lost their mansion. And they moved to a, an apartment. In the beginning, a big, nice apartment, but not the mansion. It's already down. And then after a few years, they lost the apartment. And they moved to one little tiny room. Tiny room. Yeah. You should see how. Don't have money for food. Nothing. Sit like this. And we cannot make 10 years one word. What do you see here? Everything, Hashem brings you all the way up to the pyramid. The higher you are, the more it's going to hurt when you, when you collapse. You fall from one floor, it's not so painful. You fall from the Empire State Building, you crash and you die. This is what David HaMelech wrote. What normal person would think that he's considered something important? It's full of, it's only stupidity, only stupidity. We're all stupid in certain way, but some of us are more than the red line. I mean, less than the red line. There is a red line in everything in life. Once you cross that red line, maybe there's no return. So King David, who could be more proud than him? But he felt he's a worm, and Hashem confirmed it. Sign, testimony. Hashem is the notary in front of me. It's true. Moshe Rabenu, I'm nothing. Sign, it's true. Rav Ben Tzion Abba Shaul, I told you one time. I wanted him to wear this Sephardic chief rabbi outfit. He didn't want. He dressed like an ordinary, regular Talmud student. Never special titles, nothing. They wanted to give him a driver. No, no, I take a bus. He got on a bus in Yerushalayim one time. The driver didn't know who he is. Poor driver. How is he supposed to know? He was, was not religious. He didn't know who he is. How is he supposed to know? He's the biggest chacham in the world. How? So he take a towel. Hey, you! Throw him the towel. He got on a bus. 
clean my mirror, my side mirror, you know the buses have big mirrors on the side, the side mirror, clean it for me. He took the van, he was standing like this for 20 seconds, cleaning the mirror. He didn't get offended. The biggest judge in Israel, all the Torah by heart, millions of provisions in his head, everything by heart. His head is like computer, in three, four seconds, every answer, anything you ask, everything in his head, cleaning the mirror in front of 100 people on the bus, and he didn't feel bad. And when the people started to scream at the bus driver, are you normal? You have to make tshuva. You throwing the towel to the most important person in Yerushalayim, what is this? I'm so sorry, Kvod Arav. Kiss his hand, forgive me, I didn't know. I didn't ask, I'm sorry. No, don't listen to them. Yeah, it's good. One person told me one time, I was in a chatuna, in a wedding, and he was standing right next to me by the chuppah, and he came, he said, he go like this, excuse me. <laughs> and I said, you know, I didn't know who he is. Standing like this with the people around. He didn't have problem. You know, he's standing like this, like one ordinary person. No, who put me here, put me on the stage, make sure everyone goes to the side when I come in. All this ego and respect has a very high bill to pay. The amount of pleasure that a person gave from this honor is so expensive that it's the worst investment. It's like buying a little Subaru for a million dollars. You buy, you pay a million dollars for it? No, because it doesn't make sense, no? But the minute of ego, the minute of pride that you get, some respect that people clap for you, or they rise for you, and, all, and you enjoy it, if you don't enjoy from it. Some people suffer from dishonor. In their heart, it's awkward, you know, it's, ah, when is it gonna over already, all this show off? They, they, inside their heart, they really don't feel comfortable. When someone give him a title, one, one Ashkenazi big rabbi came to Rav Ben-Zion, Shaul, he started to shoot, one title after the other, the head of the generation, the biggest chacham, the biggest mekubal, the divine, the, the perfect. So he said to him, enough, enough, enough. None of these things that you say they will say in Shamaim. If they say these titles in Shamaim, fine. You know they're not gonna say about me like this. So why are you giving me all these titles? Today someone doesn't know alphabet, he writes, Arava Gaon the genius rabbi, the editor. One time I saw a person, he wrote a book. Everything he wrote in his book, he copied from other books, everything. He did not write one word of his own. Half of the book, half of the book, maybe 30 pages, were letters from rabbi that endorsed him. All he, all he wanted that book for is to show the world that this rabbi gave me a blessing. This one told me, great, chazaku baruch for your book. This, that, that. Do you think these rabbis read these books? Do you think they read this book? Rav Ovadia Yosef, after he daven early in the morning, he sits all the way until the afternoon, straight for a few hours to learn with Rabbi Shitrit Hevruta. They go and he writes his own books. Every 20, 30 minutes, somebody comes for the Rav, this is, he wrote this book. Who is he? He learns in this yeshiva. 
who, you know, so they find, they check for him. His Rosh Yeshiva say to the rabbi, yeah, he's a kosher person, he's chacham, he knows. So he gives him a general blessing. You think he sat and read the book? So he writes. Everyone can get it. All you need is two, three references that know who you are, and they tell you, and you write a good book, and fine, they give you a blessing. <laughs> and I'm going to sit and read every, every 20 minutes a book comes. He's going to read every 10 minutes a new book. Then he goes to rest an hour. Then he gets up and learns all the way to night. At 92 years old, maybe 16, 17 hours a day, is busy with Torah. You go into his house, all books, all over the rooms, piles of books on a, on a table. In his age, all day like this, sitting, mamash like this. No. The head of Israel is really the right, he's the real prime minister. You should know that. Because he has power not less than the prime minister. And I promise you, they come and ask his advice for certain things before they do it. It's not once, not twice. And hundreds of thousands of people vote based on his word. And can get all the honor in the world. And what does he want to do? Sit in a room privately with nobody bothering me. When he, when someone wants him to be a sandak in the Brit Milah, he agrees in one condition that it will be done in his shul, which is in his house, and five minutes, Brit Milah. Five minutes, no more. He doesn't come out until they're ready. He sits in his room learning. He says, okay, Rabbi, now he can come. He comes out, much three minutes, the whole thing takes. He sits, the baby, no, no, quick. This puts the baby, goodbye, don't bother me, goes back to his learning. No, show of 50 people standing online. Here, 26,000, give me bracha, my son, my daughter. Leave me alone, let me go back to my books. You understand? A person who knows the truth in life, is different than the other ordinary people. Time is running us. Let me just finish this. He says like this, the proud person always thinks that he deserves the biggest glory. And everyone must notice him. Everyone must behave differently when he's around. And if they behave normally, it burns his heart. Like he came to a place and nobody runs to him. It's already killing him. Nobody offended him. Nobody embarrassed him. Nobody put him in a garbage to sit over there. No. The fact that they didn't notice him already kills him. And Panav Zoafot always have an angry face because there has to be something who bothers him everywhere he goes. There's always going to find, like Haman, the entire world bow down to him. One Jew, Mordechai, does not bow to you. Pretend you don't see, you fool. So you got 99.99. And it has to be 100%. What does it say? When I see Mordechai, the Jew does not bow down to me, it burns my heart. Everything I have is not worth it for me. Next week, when you read the Megillah, remember. Haman say, when I see, he said to his wife, when I see more, this Jew doesn't bow down to me, it kills me. If his wife was a kosher woman, she said to him, don't be a fool. You're the richest person in the world. The king doesn't move an inch without your advice. Every person see you bow down to you on the street. So one person doesn't. Why do you care? Why are you starting arguing, fighting? You know, the wife of the king is his relative. Don't start problems. Pretend, don't go near him. No, it's either this or nothing. So always he's angry. 
And even when people give him respect, he begins to calculate if it was enough according to his level. And he didn't give me enough. They gave him a blessing in a wedding, but it's not bracha charita. It's not the last bracha, which is the longest and the most supposedly important. They gave him the first or the second, so he's upset. They gave him aliyah in shul, but it wasn't shishi. It wasn't the sixth one. So he's already going crazy. I don't come to this shul anymore. Don't be rabbi, don't, don't invite me here anymore. <laughs> you know? This is what's happening. It sounds crazy, I know, but I promise it's all reality. And I like to give example from people who reach certain level in their life and they behave like this. The people who are nothing, they didn't achieve anything, it's needless to say. Just to show you how far it goes. It doesn't only go to the ignorant fools on the street. It goes to people who know a lot and are very impressive. But they behave like total zeros, like this. And this is what he says. I'm so special. You know what? What do I need this honor? Anyway, it's never going to be enough for what I deserve. Don't give me honor. He gets to a point that now he has a new show. He doesn't want anymore anyone to rise for him. He doesn't want to write his nothing, right? He's already out of this league. I have a league on my own. I don't belong here anymore. So it says like this. Always have to look special. Everyone pray with a certain talit. He's going to make sure his is blue. With, with red lines. Regular talit, no, nobody will notice me. Everyone has this kind of tefillin, which is very fine. No, no, he has to have something special that people would ask him, where did you get this from? If he thought about the mitzvah because he loves Hashem, no problem, most of the time. Everyone pray five, six minutes, we pray 40 minutes. And 35 minutes out of the 40, he has only one thing in his mind. Who's noticing me? That I'm so holy. Who, who? <laughs> yeah, what do you think? I didn't say it. The big chachamim, they wrote that someone who pray very long tefillah, I'm not talking someone who doesn't speak in Hebrew, so it's very difficult for him to read. No, we're not talking this kind of thing. Talking someone who reads well. All his life he reads, he knows how to read. Why is making it very long? All about pride. Hashem can understand you in five minutes. He doesn't need you to talk 40 minutes, the same thing. How long does it take to read 10 pages? He needs 40 minutes for it. I'm not talking the Kabbalists that they have the Kavanot Arashash, every word, they have 200 words of, of uh, special names of angels and all kinds of combinations. That's a different world. Regular people. Baruch, Atta, Hashem, 15 minutes. Oh, wow, Baba Sali arrived here. Go down to who you are. This is what a person has to recognize, who I am. Two minutes is bal tshuva. Oh, I didn't go to the mikveh today. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we have to adjourn the meeting. It's already four o'clock. I missed my mikveh today. <laughs> he thinks, wow, I'm Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Ma, why they say Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai 40 years until he became? I became in two weeks. Two weeks. Wow, look at me, beard, mikveh, dad. I walk like this slow, I talk slow, I pretend I cannot walk. 
Oh, I learned Torah all the time. Yesterday I was in Lawrence. There was one supposedly very wealthy guy there. Not so old. I believe it was 40 maybe. He was telling about his achievements and this and that. <laughs> so the woman over there said, you know, he came from Colombia, special for your lecture. Colombia, South America, Colombia. So I taught Col Columbia University. <laughs> That's a big deal. He came from Columbia University. What's the big deal? I came from Muncie. <laughs> then I realized she talks about Colombia, Colombia. So I say, you know, I felt like a little gratitude to him. I started to talk to him. Then I realized that he's a Mr. Big Shot. So in the end, he asked me, give me a bracha before I left. So I told him, what do you want me to give you a bracha for? He said, ah, you're supposed to know. You're the rabbi, no? I said to him, what do you mean? He said, ah, if you don't know what I need a bracha for, then means your bracha doesn't work a lot. I say to him, I tell you, there are two kinds of rabbis who give bracha. The one kind who pretend that they read you and they know everything about you. And the ones that admit that they don't know, they're not prophets. Which one you want? One that pretend or one that tell you the truth? <laughs> so, so, oh, I didn't think about it. So then I gave him a bracha. What was the bracha? I bless you that you, God will open your eyes and you'll be able to come out of your bluff life. Your life of bluff. That was what so I said to his wife. You see how he pushed it to me? <laughs> so I gave you the best bracha for you. When you come out of your bluff, illusion, lifestyle, everything else will be fine. As long as you're in this bluff, nothing will be good in your life. It's all an illusion. It's an illusion. It's like someone who goes to the stock market and they train him how to trade stocks. And in the first two weeks, they put him in demo. He doesn't really make or lose. It's all an illusion. So he's in demo. He buys $2 a share. Wow, he went up to 3,000 stocks, $20,000, $30,000, $50,000. His account showed $2 million in two weeks. And I never told him his demo. And he's the happiest person. I'm a rich guy already. I have $2 million on my account. And his boss said, you fool. It was all a, a demo. He didn't really go to the stock market. It's demo. You don't know what a demo is? This is the life of a person that lives without Hashem and without the truth. Everything in his life is demo. No achievement, really. It's all an illusion. So. The Ramchal says, everyone is only thirsty and hungry for praises. And sometimes the proud people pretend that they're humble. That's already a more sophisticated level of proud people. Like when they come, everyone comes to kiss their hand. <laughs> Don't do it. You're embarrassing me. Uh -oh. Why are you kissing my hand? And inside his heart is... Ah, wow, you see, wow, I, I, I did something in my life. No, not like this. <laughs> and when he walks, he pretends that he doesn't want people to see him. But before he went in, he sent his driver to make sure everybody understands he's coming in. But when he comes in, he pretends he doesn't. No, 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 sit, sit. No, 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 continue to learn. <laughs>
איי, 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 איי. And, and, when he comes to, let's say, a place, and they offer him the special bed, no, why, who am I? Give me the mattress over there next to the bathroom on the hallway. No, Rabbi, what are you saying? No, no, be mad, I'm nothing, no, no. And in his heart, he says, see what the bed they gave me? Wow, the sweet, beautiful. It's already worth it for him. He doesn't really need the bed. The bed, he doesn't really care. He's not so addicted to a comfortable mattress. The idea that they gave him the most important bed in a hotel is already okay with sleeping in a hallway, in a bunk bed. No problem. I already got what I want. Now I'm gonna double the honor. Why? Because they all gonna say tomorrow on the street, you see what a humble rabbi? Everyone slept in great beds and he wanted to sleep on the mattress in the hallway. You understand? Or when he's in his house, he frees nonstop, like a machine. When he comes in public, he only eats bread. So that's everyone shul. What rabbi? Babaganush, hummus, fish. He eats a little bread. This, pretend is the babasali. You understand? Very humbled. I'm okay with bread and a little wine. It's okay. I'm, I'm reading to you from the Ramchal. I'm just presenting it like every day's life today. But this, this was written 250 years ago. Do you think people changed in the last 250 years? People did not change from the time Adam was created until today a bit. The entire world made a lot of progress in biology, in medicine, in all kinds of fields, in science, in physics. Not one inch progress in knowing the human being. All the dilemmas, all the questions, all the sicknesses, mental, all the problems that we have today, they had 2,000 years ago. You read in the Gemara, everything that we had, they asked the same questions. Everything. Moshe Rabbeinu and Korach, ego, uh, politics, Lashon Hara, ungratefulness, you know, all kinds of, everything was the same. Everything. Time of King David, times of the kings, times of the prophets. People, people today, when you tell them the truth, they put an X on you. I don't, don't tell me the name of this rabbi. Why? Oh, told me Mechalel Shabbat is a goy. He called me a goy? Don't want to hear about him. But the Torah called you a goy, not the rabbi. Hashem is calling you a goy. Why are you getting upset? You go against Hashem, Hashem put an X on you. Why are you upset? That's the truth. Ah, you don't want to be, be an enemy of Hashem in open, you know. Uh, I hate God. Why is calling me a goy? Why is calling you a goy? Because I'm not Shomer Shabbat. He's not going to say it. So he's going to hate the rabbi. You understand the idea here? Everything is the same. Everything is the same. People are the same people, and the Torah is the same Torah, and the challenges are the same challenges. So he's going to try to prove that he's under every ordinary person. And he said, there is no one more humble than me on the earth. They should learn from me how to be humbled. That's what he thinks in his heart. And some people, they keep their ego and pride buried deep in their heart. They say, what's the point of proving who I am? Yeah, you know, I already know I'm the best. Why do I have to prove it? It's also, it's also pride. And 
What is the conclusion of all this? What God say about this kind of people that I mentioned? What? To'avat Hashem kol gvalev. Everyone like that, all the scenarios that I mentioned, every person who behaves like that is despicable in the eyes of God. You know what despicable means? Like you see someone made his bathroom in the middle of the floor, and you see it, ugh, you run away. This is what it means, despicable. How do I know? The, the halacha, the, the, the law, if a person is allowed to say Shema Israel when someone made his bathroom baby over here on the floor, or his diaper open up and everything is on the floor now, and you stare and you dare and you smell it. So obviously you have to go away that you don't smell it. You don't mention the name of God when you're inside the bathroom, right? So, it's, so what happened if you went far away but you still see it? Looking at the bathroom that a person made on the floor and saying the name of Hashem aloud? Of course not. It's someone who pray, looking at the bathroom inside and see what people did there. Not only it's not considered a prayer, it's like cursing God. He's really praising God in his words. But standing next to this and doing it, that's like... So... Sometimes you do something that is supposedly positive, but it's really the biggest insult. You know, I give you an example. Like, uh, what would you think would be the lowest donation that a rabbi can get in this generation? Someone send him a check by mail. The lowest donation. What do you think it should be the lowest donation that below that it's already gonna be a real embarrassment? What do you think? Give me a number. What's, what's going to be the lowest amount? No, give an amount. Give an amount. $1. Someone will send you a check. $1? $1? The stamp is 40 something cent. 10 is the lowest? Come, come here. Come. Come. You know what to come? Don't worry, you'll be famous. Come. I'm not showing you the name. I'm hiding the name. I just want you to tell them what you see here. Read, tell them. Someone said, okay, so now I'm not telling you who, and I myself don't know who, Baruch Hashem. But why I'm telling you this? If you ask, it's someone sending you donation. It's very nice, no? But sometimes the positive act is the biggest insult. Do you understand what I mean or no? Doesn't need to give. Cannot afford, he doesn't have to give. Doesn't have to give. You, there is a limit to how much you can do. You know, so, you, know, you cannot do, you cannot do. For instance, let's say you have a car that the car is very loud and, and there's no heat and the windows are broken and the car is like this and the chairs are broken and you really, really want to take the rabbi from his home to the lecture. You really want, you don't have to. You're not going to do this embarrassment, pulling this important holy man like this, boom, 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 his hat is flying, the wind coming, it's freezing in a car. You want to do something good, no problem, you don't have to. It counts like you did. Hashem knows you wanted to do, you cannot afford, no problem. No one is telling someone who doesn't have money that he must give donation. He's dismissed. But sometimes a person doesn't think. You want to do something good, and this is what he writes here. 
And you see, if, you know, I don't tell you who it is, so nobody knows who we're talking about, just for the concept here. So the idea here, the idea here is that the Ramchal says like this, it says that if a person come to pray to Hashem, but he's praying inside the bathroom with the smell and the horrible scene over there, not only is not praising Hashem, his words are despicable. To'ava, to'ava is the worst word. Despicable, there's no worse word than this. So who is compared to someone who's praying inside the bathroom? Who? Someone that is proud. The whole thing, I wanted just to prove you this point. Someone that is proud is equal to this bathroom that this baby did in his diapers, in the eyes of Hashem. What do you mean? He knows the whole Gemara by heart. Talmid Chacham Shemidotav Raot, a person, Talmid Chacham, you know what a Talmid Chacham means? He's a very high scholar in Torah. But his traits are horrible. His midos is horrible, personality. A dead rat on the street is better than him, the Gemara says. The Gemara says, not me. I'm, I'm going to talk against anyone with not, without what the Gemara says. Yeah, he knows everything in Torah, everything. But he's angry, he's arrogant, he's dirty, he's proud. Is noisy, who know him, whatever, you name it. You say what arrogance is. But he knows a lot. He's worse than a dead rat on the street. What? A dead rat on the street doesn't make damage. Nobody expected from a dead rat anything. From him, people expect very highly. And when they see who he is, it destroys the Torah. Destroys the Torah. It makes so much damage, a thousand good ones that teach and give a great example are wiped out in a minute when the people see him. That's why it's worse than a dead animal. Nevela, nevela, a dead animal is better than him. Of course, this is just an expression. But what does it mean, midot raot, bet rates? The worst midah, the Rambam says. All the traits of a person should be average. Not too, many, no, too much stingy, not too much generous. You give all your money and you're left with no food for your own children, it's stupidity. You know, the certain things you want to do, come on, don't be uh, Shlomo HaMelech, don't be Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not in his level. When it comes to pride, the Rambam say, all the way to the extreme side. There's no average. You cannot be even 1% proud. Why? God cannot stand you if you're proud. Thanks to me, because of me, I did it, I set it up, and we all fall into this, into this trap, all of us. But we have to prove God that we're trying not to, not to be like this. You can't be depressed that we continue to proud about what we do and our achievements and all kinds of things. And we like to take credit even when we don't deserve the credit. Okay, it's normal. But you have to try. There are religious people 40 years, nobody ever taught them that you cannot stay what you are. You cannot continue to be angry and proud and this and this and this. You have to change your personality because this is the reason why God gave us the Torah. To clean the negative. And 
Hashem say it's despicable every proud person in the eyes of God. And everyone who wants to clean himself, he should understand that being proud is complete blindness. It's blinding you in your mission in life. And a person who doesn't see how much he lose from it is the most miserable person. Because many people do not realize how much I lost in my life because of my ego. How many jobs I lost. How many wives didn't marry me because when I went on the dates with them, they realized. You know how many times I get emails from girls that goes out with guys from yeshivot, from important yeshivot, and she says, he knows a lot of Torah, nice looking, family, everything. But three times I went out with him. I tell you the truth, all he did in the entire three dates is bragging about himself. I do this, I do this. My Rosh Hashiva told me I'm the best. That, what, oh, that place I don't go. Over there I don't eat. This, I check, the mashgiach is not good. It's all about him. Why do you think I should marry a guy like this? <laughs> now, he doesn't know why she told him, get out of here, I don't want you. A great girl. All the skills. He doesn't know. She told him that usually you don't give the reason. You tell the Shatchan, not interested, the Shatchan made up something to make you feel good, and that's it. I always tell people, if you're brave enough, it's better to tell the person why you don't want him. If it's a birth problem, he wasn't born pretty or she's not so pretty, don't tell her. You take away her confidence, because it's not in her hand. What, is, what good is going to do? She can change her beauty? No. She's going to stay the same, or he. So what's the point of hurting their feeling? And I anyway cannot improve it. Not allowed to tell them and to offend them. But something they can work on and get rid of, you must tell them in a nice way. Listen, you're a nice guy. I'm very impressed for many things about you. But my impression is that you're too busy with yourself and your ego, and it's not for me. Maybe in the future, if you think, if you, think you can correct this horrible midah, then I'll be if I'm still available, why not? We can try again. At least maybe you save this miserable guy from his own enemy, which is himself. You don't tell him. You're not telling him to put him down. We're not talking about two little kids in the neighborhood. Hey, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. Hey, I'll show you this. We're not talking about this. We're talking a criticism positive to save a life of a person. How many more dates is going to go? How much more money and agony and pain he's going to have because of his ego? And he doesn't see the problem. And the last thing for today, because time completely finished, is anger. No permission ever to be anger. Even people insulting you, don't answer. Tole eretz al blima. Anger is also connect to pride. Humble people usually don't get angry at anyone. They tolerate everything. Someone who has ego and anger, of course, goes together, like a husband and wife. So when someone insulting you, you have a lot what to say. God, it's all in your control. I'm not saying. I'm not answering. I'm, I'm not going to go to this guy's level. Let him say whatever he say. Very high level. The world is hanging on the shoulder of a person that black his mouth in a time of an argument. That's what Hazal said. Wow, whoa. It's an atomic bomb here. Just fell here.
in 66th Avenue. You don't see it yet. Do you understand what we're saying here? Someone who have what to answer and didn't answer, the whole world is on his shoulder. It's the foundation of the world. You know what the reward? Very difficult. Very difficult. <laughs> what do you think? Hashem gives candy for free? It's expensive. Gotta work for it. Three things you can check the person with is koso, kiso, and kaso. Koso, kiso, kaso. Koso is 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 the cup, is glass. Kiso is pocket. Kaso is anger. Anger is one of the three. Koso, how we drink. Some people come to your Shabbos table. You invite them. That's how they drink. We take the drink, Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Sha'akol Nia Bidvaro. That's how they drink. You know, I, I don't want to marry this guy. You don't need more than that. You need him now to talk who he is, what he is, what he's doing. That's enough. Or, he go like this. <laughs> like, like, the, like the people on the street. This guy cannot be my husband. I'm looking for something better. That's Koso. What's Kiso? Is generosity. How much is willing to pay? Do you mind if we go only for a cup of coffee on the date? <laughs> Don't continue the date. Tell them, listen, you know what? I have something came up. Goodbye, shalom. Why? <laughs> Already before we went out, that, he's, that he has to pretend that he's generous, is asking you if you only want to have a cup of tea because he's afraid to spend $30 on a meal or something, or I don't know what. I'm not talking a yeshiva bachur that doesn't have money. You go out with a date with yeshiva bachur, you have to assume that he doesn't have a penny, a penny to his name. If not, I don't know what's wrong with you. He's learning Torah, I don't expect any money from him. You go with a businessman, he has a lot of money. He's afraid to spend $10 on you. Before you, his wife. When you be his wife, he's going to put a piece of tape on your mouth and handcuff you. Maybe spend a dollar or two. How do you want to marry to someone like this? So that's Kiso, his pocket. And Kaso is anger. Every little thing. Oof! How many times? That's, you want to marry someone like this? No, fine, good luck. Jealousy is also stupidity, the Ramchal say. What are you jealous with someone that God gave him a different mission in life? The doctor is jealous with the lawyer. What for? You have your job in life, and he has his job. I'm so jealous with you. You stand by the court with the air condition over there. There's no logic here. Why would I be jealous with this guy? Hashem gave him this test, and my test is different. He has his reward. I have mine. I have my test. He has his test. Hashem knows what I need and what he needs. What's the point? So everyone that is jealous only cause losses to himself. He's the only one who loses. And the body will be rotten in grave because of jealousy. Jealousy makes the bones rotten. We're done. That's it. I went a little bit over time because we start 10 minutes late. Bezrat Hashem, next Monday. Wait, one announcement. I'm going to Los Angeles on Friday and I'm coming back on next Monday. My flight is landing 8 o'clock. So obviously we cannot start 8 o'clock. But we're going to make next Monday 9 o'clock. Okay. But please, wait, wait. On Sunday, 
on a Monday, Monday morning, check on my website on events that for whatever reason, if I see that it gets, the flight gets delayed, I'm gonna post right away that it's the lecture is canceled. But 99%, we are on nine o'clock next Monday, nine o'clock. Please don't come eight and wait for me an hour here and the place may be luck. Baruch Adonai Amen.